Today's scripture reading um, is, you'll find on page 59 of your Pew Bibles, it's Exodus 19, verses 9 through 25, um, and then 20, 18 through 21. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said, and the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day, the Lord, because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, <clears throat> be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they approach the mountain. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses up to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us, put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, go down and bring Aaron up with you, but the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them, um, and then chapter 20, verses 18 through 21. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Carrie. That is, that is quite, a, um, <clears throat> quite a intense story, Exodus 19. Uh, let's pause and pray and ask for God's help. Lord, thank you that you are among us today by your spirit. We pray now that your word would come alive, 
that your spirit would illuminate this for us, um, help us to grapple with, with some difficult truths in this passage, and uh, just help us to have the right kind of fear. In your name, amen. So a few years ago, I saw an ad online for a new weight loss program. I wasn't looking for a weight loss program. <laughs> it just popped up for some reason. Um, and it, it said, we will, we will harness your phobias and your fears to make you, help you lose those extra pounds. So let's say you're afraid of clowns. We'll have someone dressed as a clown pop out from behind a wall and start chasing you down the street and you'll run and run and run away from that clown or a ghost or spiders or dogs or whatever. Now, I'm pretty sure this was a spoof, um, but there you have it. That's one kind of fear, like terror, like get me out of here. I'm so scared. Let me tell you about a different kind of fear, another story about fear. When I was about 12, my dad decided it was time to let me use the table saw by myself. Um, now, I had seen him use it many times. I'd helped him as he cut long pieces or whatever, and I'd been around it enough to know this was the most dangerous tool we had in our shop. I knew I had to wear safety glasses. I knew I had to wear ear protection. But then that day, as Dad coached me and let me try to make my first cut myself, again, he told me how to, you know, push evenly so that the wood wouldn't bind against the blade and kick back. He told me how to use the push stick if I was making a narrow cut. And just how to, how to use that powerful tool um, without losing a finger or an eye. His purpose in giving me a fear for that thing was not to, to scare me away from it, but to help me to use it well. Two different kinds of fear. Now in this passage in Exodus 19, the people of Israel finally meet with God, their Savior. You know, he has rescued them and brought them through the Red Sea and protected them in the wilderness, but they've never actually seen him up close. So this is the big moment. And what happens? They are absolutely terrified. They're, they're, they're so scared. They're overwhelmed in his presence. And, and who wouldn't be? They're standing there in front of this mountain that's like on fire. The earth is quaking. There's smoke. There's lightning and thunder, there's this loud trumpet blast, and they are scared out of their minds. The people beg Moses to speak to them instead of God. They say, please, you talk to us, but we can't stand to hear God's voice. They're terrified. And listen to what Moses says. Did you catch uh, in verse, chapter 20, verse 20, Moses says this thing that is rather strange. He says, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Do not be afraid. So he's saying you shouldn't be afraid, but you should be afraid. <laughs> right? 
Do not be afraid. The fear of God has come to keep you from sinning. Two kinds of fear. So here's the question. Should we be afraid of God or not? And if so, what kind of fear is this talking about? If we have the wrong kind of fear of God, we will have a... uh, we won't have a very good relationship with him. How can you have a relationship with someone you're afraid of? You're terrified of. John 1.4 says, or 4.1 says, perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear in love. But if we don't have the right kind of fear in our relationship with God, that is also perilous and deadly to us. To paraphrase C.S. Lewis, God is good, but he is not safe. God is good, but he's not safe. And so we need the right kind of fear to know him. So we're going to look today at what that means. First, to understand this, we need to see what happened then and there with Israel and Moses at Mount Sinai. We need to look at that closely, and then we'll see, we'll bring it to the here and now And talk about us and Jesus. So, then and there, Moses and Israel at Mount Sinai. Last time uh, we were in Exodus, we saw how how God met with Moses and told him, you know, uh, tell this to the people of Israel. I will be your God. You know, I've saved you. I've carried you on eagle's wings. You've seen what I've done. And now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, you will be my treasured possession. And you'll be this kingdom of priests. Remember this? So Moses tells this to the people and they're like, great, we'll do it. Okay, it's a deal. So now Moses is talking to God and God is telling him how to prepare the people to establish this covenant, to to meet with him. And the people find out that God is maybe more than they bargained for. So look at how it unfolds. First, and uh, did I leave my Bible over here? I did. <clears throat> Exodus 19. I'd, as always, I'd encourage you to keep your Bible open as we uh, look at this passage today. What does God say first? He gives Moses instructions to consecrate the people. Consecrate them. That is a time to be set apart for what they're about to do. Verse 10, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Moses adds in his own words, to abstain from sexual relations in that time. That's not because God is anti-sex or prudish. It's because, uh, probably in the words of one commentator, because the Lord wished to have his people's hearts holy for himself. There's a time of preparation. The point is something has to be done to get them ready to meet with God. They can't just kind of show up and knock at the door and say, hey, we're ready to meet with you. If you got an, an invitation in the mail to have dinner with the president or some high-ranking person, 
think about how that would, uh, what would be in that. First of all, you wouldn't just go and show up and knock on the door on a Tuesday night and say, hey, what's for supper? I'm here, right? You'd get an invitation that the date would be weeks or months ahead, and you would have to prepare. You'd have to have some clean clothes to wear. You'd have to make sure you knew the etiquette expected in speaking with someone so important. You'd have to know where to be and when. All this takes preparation, and that's what God is giving the people now. The same thing in a smaller way happened to Moses when he saw God in the burning bush. Do you remember? God said, take off your sandals because the place where you are standing is holy ground. He had to do something to kind of be ready to talk to God. That's what's happening here. Now, in addition, the Lord gives Moses some very serious warnings, right? He says, put a fence around the bottom of the mountain, set limits. Otherwise, you know, if someone touches the mountain, they're going to have to be killed. You can't even touch the person that touches the mountain because the implication is God's holiness is so radioactive and deadly to sinful people. Right? So put limits around the mountain. The mountain is where God will be. Don't let anyone come close to it until the right time. These are not threats. These are warnings. Like this is the way it is. Not, I'm coming after you, but this is the reality of a holy God. So put limits around the mountain. Um, Now, Look at what God is doing to, to help these people come close to him. He's giving them time to prepare. He's giving them careful instructions. And he's giving them a mediator in Moses. That's what Moses is. He's a mediator, a, a middleman, so to speak, helping the people and God come together and communicate. Now, we can assume that Moses followed all these instructions and the people did what they needed to do. And finally, the third day arrives, verse 16. The people wake up and there is a violent thunderstorm in progress. Isn't it it eerie when there's a thunderstorm in the morning? I always find that really kind of creepy. You wake up at 6 o'clock and there's this You know, it's still dark and uh, thunder and lightning. Anyway, the people look out and they can see in the distance this jagged peak, Mount Sinai. It's a rocky desert mountain. It's shrouded with cloud, with smoke. Picture Mount Doom from The Lord of the Rings, right? Has anyone seen that, read that? And then they hear this bone-rattling trumpet blast, which is, the signal that it's time to come near. Now, if I were there, I probably would have been like, oh, it's okay, Moses, you go on ahead. I'll just wait back here at camp and tell me what he says, right? I wonder how many people thought about that. But, you know, the the text says everyone in the camp trembled. They were already shaking with fear. Nonetheless, Moses leads them out of the camp toward the mountain, toward the lightning and thunder and smoke and trumpet blast. 
And they assemble there at the foot of the mountain. And at that point, at that point, verse 20, the Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai. Um, and the whole, let's actually, verse 18, the whole mountain trembled violently. So the whole mountain is shaking, and then the Lord descends in fire. And they're, they're standing before this, this burning mountain. Can you imagine that? It's kind of like a, a full-scale version of the burning bush. Moses saw the bush on fire. They're seeing the mountain on fire with God's holy presence. And they are quaking in their sandals. They're trembling. They're, they're afraid. It overwhelms their senses. Think about this. They see the fire and lightning. They hear the blast of the trumpet. They feel the ground shaking under their feet. They can smell and taste the smoke in the air. This is a full-body sensory experience for them, right? Moses hikes up that forbidding mountain into God's presence, and the first thing God tells him is, go back down and tell people not to come close. Isn't that interesting? He's like, you've already told us that, God. They're not going to come. Go back and tell them, I don't want anyone to come close and die. So he goes back down. As if anyone needed that warning at this point, they're scared out of their wits. But he does that. Um, chapter 20, verses 18 and 19 say this. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. Terrified. Can you imagine being there and seeing this? Now, some, you know, modern scholars have said, oh, they probably just saw a volcano. I don't think so. This is, this is supernatural. This is beyond what, you know, what has ever happened in nature by itself. They are just overwhelmed by what they're seeing. They had said, yeah, God, we're, okay, we're ready. Sign us up. But now they're standing there and they are scared. Um, when my son Asher was a little tyke, he loved tractors. He loved tractors. He had tractor books. He had one of those um, flyers you get at the co-op with like auctions so you can there's like 50 pages of farm equipment and their prices, and he would just read those things, look at the pictures. So one day we went to visit the Sweeney's at their farm, and Jeff said, do you think Asher would like a ride in the tractor? And Asher went, ah, yeah, 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 tractor, tractor. And we said, sure. So we went outside, and we were standing there waiting for Jeff to go get the tractor. He goes behind the barn, we hear the diesel engine start up, rum, 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 and we see the tractor coming closer and closer. And the closer the tractor comes to Asher, the more his face changes from joy to terror. And by the time the tractor get th gets there, he is clinging onto my leg. He is bawling because, you know, he loves tractors, but he's never seen a tractor up close with the noise and the size and just the rumbling of the earth, and he is terrified. I don't think we got him to actually sit on the tractor that day. 
The real thing was too much for him to handle. And that's a little like what's going on here. When they are encounter God in his power, in his holiness, in his sovereignty over creation, it's overwhelming to them. They can't handle it. They can't handle it. And that's when Moses says those seemingly contradictory words, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of the Lord will be with you to keep you from sinning. What does this mean? Well, the implication is, and we see this in the rest of the Bible, when people have an experience of God's presence, they are often left with a sense of their own sin. The best example is the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. He ha- he's a prophet already. He has this vision of God and all his majesty in filling the temple. And he doesn't say, wow, lucky me, I just saw God. He says, I'm ruined. Woe is me, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. He is absolutely uh, ashamed of himself and he just dreads God in that moment. Now why is that? Because God is holy. God is perfect. God is righteous. God is all-powerful. And we are the opposite. God is holy. We are not. And so... God was not trying to scare his people away from him in this moment. God was, God's purpose was to give them an unforgettable experience of his power, of his majesty that would stay in their collective memory, right? So that they would, they would take his words seriously, that they would consider their sin and their need for him. This whole story sandwiches the Ten Commandments, which we'll look at next time we're in Exodus. So this is all in the context of God giving his law, his word to the people. He wanted them to know these words were not just suggestions or guidelines or opinions. They were the path to life, right? There's a parallel account of, of the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy chapter 5, and God says this to Moses. He says, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always, so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Right? He knows that the, the only way these people will live and stand before him is if they follow his word. And he just wants them to choose that and to live. Right? God is not safe, but he's good. He has our best interests at heart. The right kind of fear is not to dread him, but to fear what will happen if we are careless or callous or flippant with God rebellious. This is like dad warning me about what will happen if I'm careless with the table saw, right? God wants us to fear him so that we will keep his commands and live. Now, friends, we should be afraid of our own hearts 
growing callous to sin. We should fear becoming casual about God's holiness because one day every one of us will stand before God um, in his unbearable glory and we'll have to tell him about how we lived and why. And that thought um, is pretty scary. But let's bring this home now for us here and now as followers of Jesus. One way people um, handle this passage in Exodus 19 and other passages like it are to say, well, that was God in the Old Testament. That was the angry God. That was the, the big scary God. But now we know God is actually nice because Jesus came um, and so he's really not that scary. You know, he's approachable. Um, if you hear someone say that, you should be thinking not so fast. If you've read much of the New Testament, you know God is the same God that was revealed at Mount Sinai. He hasn't shrunk down. He hasn't become less holy or less scary to sinners. The difference is that we have a much greater mediator. That's the difference. Not that God has changed, but that we have a much greater mediator than Moses. Moses told the people to go wash their clothes and to get ready for God, yet they still felt unworthy and unprepared, right? Jesus, our mediator, gives us garments of white of his own righteousness, washed in his blood, so that we are holy as we stand before God. That makes all the difference. Moses went into the thick darkness to meet with God and to give the law. What did Jesus do? Uh, the, the people, you know, God was still totally unapproachable to the people. But Jesus made the unapproachable God knowable to us. He showed us the face of God. Moses went up Mount Sinai to receive the law and to give the law. Jesus climbed another mountain, Mount Zion, carrying a cross on which he was killed. And his blood was shed for sinners so that we could know God's grace. We have a much greater mediator than Moses. There's way more here than we have time to unpack today in that truth, but here's the bottom line. Here's the good news. If you know Jesus, if he is your mediator, you do not need to be afraid of God. Amen? 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. If your sins are forgiven, if you're standing in the righteousness of Christ, you do not need to worry about God's punishment. He has taken that away from you. The only thing you should fear now is being far from Jesus, is treating his love casually is treating his words flippantly, is treating his grace cheaply. 
right? That's what we should fear. What would it be like? You can even imagine this. You can spend some time imagining kind of the hellscape that would exist in your life if you ignored Jesus all the way, if you turned from him, if you stayed on a path of sin instead of repentance, if you um, uh, were ultimately farther and farther from him. That is a scary thought. The writer of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, says that um, Mount, Zion, Mount Sinai was a place of fear and dread, right? But Jesus brings us to another mountain, Mount Zion, the place where he shed his own blood for us. And that transforms terror and dread into a, a joyful, confident fear of God. Listen to what he says. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Right? You've not come to that kind of mountain, he says. He goes on. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And here's the key, key thing, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And he says, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. That's the right kind of fear. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes we are afraid of you because we are so small, because we are sinful and you are holy. Sometimes we're afraid of you because we think wrongly that you have it out for us that you are waiting for us to slip up so you can, you can hit us with a bolt of lightning. And that is not how you are. Lord, show us on one hand the reality of your holy, righteous power, which does terrify sinners. And on the other hand, show us the lengths you have gone to in Christ to forgive our sin to make a new covenant between us and you. And I pray that every person here would cling tightly to Jesus, to fear him, to, to fear being away from him, and that we would just have a joyful um, obedience to him. In his name we pray. Amen.